This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. If you were to see Jesus walking down the street, do you think you would recognize him? The chances are you would not. Despite the fact that he is better known than anyone in history, we have so much lost contact with him across the centuries that in all likelihood he would seem as a stranger to most of us. No doubt you've all seen many paintings of Jesus. For the most part, these are artists' conceptions of what Jesus looked like when he lived here on the earth. There are about as many representations of Jesus as there are artists. Some picture him as tall and thin, some as a bearded old man, others as a young modern person. In some paintings, he frowns, while in others, he's tender. Sometimes he's pictured in robes of flowing white with a halo about his head. But in others, he's hardly recognizable. As we look at so many paintings of Jesus, we get the feeling that the artists reveal themselves more than they revealed Christ. Even as the artists misrepresent him, so do we. We think we know and understand him, but I have some some serious doubts that we really do know this Jesus. This morning I'd like to attempt to bring to our attention some of the biblical truths about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Of course, in this message, I could not say all there is to be said about Jesus. How can one person encompass in less than 20 or 25 minutes the great character of Jesus? Today we're going to consider only some of the highlights of the one of whom Simon Peter said in his great confession at Caesarea Philippi, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, Matthew 16, 16. I want to acknowledge this morning the use of an outline by Dr. Herschel Ford as we gather our thoughts around this great subject of Jesus Christ. First, let me say Jesus is a divine person. Underline that word divine. In recent years, our pulpits have seen preachers who have claimed to speak in the name of God, but who proclaimed that Jesus was not divine. They said he was a mere man, a good man, the best man who ever lived, but he was just a man after all. These so-called preachers have their day. They attract attention, but then they pass on into oblivion while Jesus Christ stands out stronger than ever. How was his divinity seen? Let me give several ways. His divinity first is shown by his life. First, he was born of a virgin. Look with me for a moment upon a beautiful scene. An angel comes to Mary and tells her that God is going to use her to bring his son into the world. As God has promised, Jesus came forth from the womb of Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus had no human father. God was his father, and Mary was chosen to be the mother. Now, how did this happen, you may ask? How is this possible? 
How can this be explained? Well, this is one of the troubles with us as modern people of today. We seem to think that with all of our wisdom, we have to have a scientific explanation for everything we see. But this is something which cannot be explained humanly. This was simply God's marvelous method of breaking the laws of nature, laws which he set into being, and therefore laws which he alone can break. In Genesis 18, verse 14, we read, Is anything too hard for God? The answer to that, no. There's nothing too difficult for God. He proved it in the birth of Jesus, his son, that Jesus was divine by giving him a miraculous birth. Jesus was not only born of a virgin, but in the second place, I would say that he was sinless in, char in character. There have been many good people in the world, but none has ever been perfect like Jesus. Every man who ever walked on God's good earth has sinned. All the saints in God's heaven are now those who have sinned. Jesus is the only one who did not experience sin in his life. In 1 Peter 2, verse 22, we read of Jesus who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. The Bible very clearly teaches that Jesus did not sin. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, we read, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. <coughs> this is not to say that Jesus became a sinner. Rather, he became a curse for us. He bore the curse of sin for us. He bore the fearful consequences of sin on our behalf. He became our sin offering. This was possible only because he was the only perfect offering which could be made. As we look at the life of Jesus, we must conclude with Pilate, I find no fault in him at all. In one of our hymns we sing, There was none other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. Well, Jesus' divinity is shown in the third place by the unheard of miracles that he performed. As we read the pages of the New Testament, we find that there are 35 miracles that Jesus performed during his earthly ministry. And these range all the way from healing the crippled to healing the mentally lame, from giving sight to the blind to giving life to the dead. One night a man named Nicodemus came to him and said, Surely no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. That's John chapter 3, verse 2. Well, Nicodemus was right. Only the divine Son of God was able to do this. Yes, the divinity of Jesus was shown by his life, his virgin birth, his sinlessness, his miracles. But there's another proof of Jesus' divinity. It is proved by his sacrificial death. It was not absolutely necessary that Jesus had to give his life for us. He was not forced into something beyond his will. Jesus had the choice of saving his own life. 
but he chose voluntarily to give up his life that we might live. He knew that he could not save his own life and save us also, and so he sacrificed his life for us. That's what we sing about in that old song. In the old rugged cross, stained with blood so divine, a wondrous beauty I see. For it was on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. You and I today can look back upon the sacrificial death of Jesus, and we can say, greater love hath no man than this. But Jesus' divinity is proved not only by his life, his death, but also by his resurrection. The divinity of Christ might be disputed, except for the fact that God gave him victory not only over life, but also over death. No man has ever risen from death under his own power, but God intervened and raised up his son Jesus from the dead. Many years ago, a man cried out, why will men follow Jesus Christ and not follow me and my teachings? The answer came back, men will follow you and your teachings. All you must do is to die and come back alive from the grave in three days. Yes, only a divine person could conquer death and the grave as Jesus did. Another factor we can look at, Jesus' divinity has proved not only by his life, his death, his resurrection, but also by his ascension into heaven. One day, after Jesus was raised from the dead, he was gathered on Mount Olivet with a small group of his disciples. A cloud surrounded him, and he was taken up into heaven as they all watched. Those who stood nearby testified to what they had seen and heard. Only a divine person could be taken up into heaven in this same manner. Well, let's summarize just for a moment. There's no doubt Jesus was a divine person. He was born of a virgin. He was divine in the way he was born. No other person lived a sinless life as he did. No other person ever performed unheard of miracles as Jesus did. No other one died such a sacrificial death as Jesus. No other person rose from the grave and ascended on high. Jesus was truly divine. Now, let's take that coin and all look at all the truths of his divinity, but let's turn the coin over on the other side. Same coin, same truth, but just another way of looking at it. We've said he was a divine person. That's right. But now, let me state also, Jesus was fully human. He had a humble human parentage. In Luke 2, 7, we read that she, that is Mary, brought forth her firstborn son. And although Jesus had the Holy Spirit for his father, which made him 100% divine, yet he had Mary for his mother, making him also 100% human. One of the greatest errors that Christianity has ever had since the birth of Christ was when people began to say that Jesus was only a divine being, that he was not really a human being. He had to be divine in order to forgive our sins, but he also had to be human in order to understand us by living our life. 
Jesus had a human parentage. Another truth about this humanity of Jesus, he was human in his physical nature. The Bible says that Jesus hungered and thirsted. He prayed. He had compassion. He wept. He rejoiced. He suffered. He died. He was buried. Because Jesus was fully human, therefore he knows about our human suffering and temptations. Every time you're called on to suffer, whatever it may be, you can remember that Jesus suffered also and that he can comfort you. Every time you're tempted, you can remember that Jesus endured temptations also, just, just like you. And he can show you how to overcome that temptation. Because as Hebrews 4:15 says, he was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Yes, Jesus Christ was the divine Son of God. He was also divine so that he could help us. Jesus, we must say, in addition, was a fully human person. He was human so he could understand us. Now there's one more thing we need to observe about who Jesus Christ really is. That is, he is the Savior of all those who receive him. Not everybody will be saved. Only a small, select few who are willing to commit their way to him will find life everlasting. And the wonderful thing about all this is that you and I can be in that few. Our salvation is not based on whether or not we have our name written on the roll of some church, whatever that denomination may be. Our salvation is not based on how many times we attend a worship service, even though that's a good way to show our love for Jesus. Our salvation is not based on how hard we try to live a good life, doing good deeds for others, or maybe a host of other noble expressions. The crucial matter which faces us all is the question of what will we do in turning the will and the care of our lives over to God and letting Him do for us what we could never do for ourselves. It is in acknowledging that we are powerless. Our lives are unmanageable. And when we come to accept the fact that God has been trying to get through to us and to let us know that He alone is capable of restoring us to our spiritual sanity and that through His Son, Jesus Christ, all this can be accomplished, then it is that wonderful things can begin to happen in our lives. Some time ago, a fire alarm sounded. Men, trucks, and other equipment quickly sprang into action. When the firemen arrived, arrived at the scene, a woman was standing at the open window of one of the top stories of a burning building. She was almost hysterical with fright. And so the firefighters ran a long ladder up to her and a big fireman made his way climbing up the ladder, step by step. He could be seen leaning as far as possible into that open window with his arms outstretched to carry that woman to safety. But the more he pleaded, the more she retreated in terror. And finally, he had to return to the ground without her, for there were many other lives to be saved. When he arrived at the foot of the ladder, this big husky firefighter was sobbing like a baby. And he said to the officer in charge, I tried to save her, sir. 
but she wouldn't let me. When all of this life is over for you and for me, if we are eternally lost, it will not be because no provision's ever been made for us. Rather, it'll be because the one who refuses to receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior has made that decision. There are a lot of things we do in our church life, whatever the denomination, to try to bring people into a close walk with the Lord. Churches have programs, activities, meetings, services, many other good things that occupy our time. But the most important matter of any church can be the any church can be concerned with is the business of leading an individual to come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You can hear a lot of information about Jesus, such as you've just heard in these past minutes in this sermon. You can give your intellectual agreement to everything I've said, but the bottom line is still the question, what are you going to do personally with Jesus? Have you allowed him to come into your life in more than just a head knowledge of some facts? Jesus is standing at your heart's door, standing and knocking. He's knocked before. This is the question you face once more. What will you do with Jesus? Oh God, our prayer is that we may not just hear words, but we might act upon what we've heard and trust Jesus for our personal soul salvation. Thank you, God, for loving us, for giving your son to die on that cross for our sins. Help us to serve you, first of all, by committing our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, in whose wonderful name we pray. Amen.